Previously on Survived by One, Tom Odell described being arrested at 16. Survived by One, The Life and Mind of a Family Mass Murderer by Robert E. Hanlon with Thomas V. Odell. Episode 7, Sean Odell and the DCFS. As Sean grew up, the resentment that his mother felt for the son she never wanted was manifested in a form of child abuse that is often difficult for teachers and other people outside the home to observe in order to report it. According to multiple sources, including Sean, Tom, the teachers, and the principal at Horace Mann Elementary School, and eventually the Department of Children and Family Services, Sean was frequently deprived of food in the home to punish him for violations of codes of conduct laid down by his mother. Sean would often complain of hunger while at school and was frequently accused of stealing other children's lunches. His mother would padlock the kitchen cabinets shut and chain the refrigerator doors closed in the evening so he was unable to access food in the house. She often did this after he had been deprived of dinner with the rest of the family, and before his mother left to go bowling in the evening, which she did several times a week, she would chain him to his bed so he would be unable to leave the house to get food. Margie Long, a teacher at Horace Mann Elementary School, became increasingly concerned about Sean and suspected he was being abused at home. I'd gone up to the hills and brought back a box of rocks. I asked the kids to adopt a rock and make it their pet rock, and every day they kept a journal of the adventures of this rock. Sean's was a very disturbing journal, talking about how he was hungry, but they had padlocked the cabinet doors, so when Mommy went bowling, the cabinet doors were locked. And to keep him from going out in the neighborhood, he was padlocked to the bedpost. We got so concerned at school that Jerry made arrangements with the cafeteria for Sean to have a free breakfast every morning. He would have thought Jerry had committed a heinous crime because Mother came to school. She claimed that Sean was an overeater. Sean was a small child, and lots of times prior to Jerry arranging this with the cafeteria, we would be getting ready to go to lunch, and one of our students would say, Mom, lunch is gone. And it would turn out that Sean had eaten his child's lunch, stolen it out of the locker. He was not a well-fed child. In response to growing concern regarding Sean's welfare, Principal Clemens asked Bob Odell to come in to discuss Sean's condition. Mr. Odell denied that there were any issues with Sean at home. As a result, Clemens asked Odell to wait in an adjoining room, within earshot, while he questioned Sean about his hunger, food deprivation, and the padlocking of cabinets by his mother. Despite hearing his son confirm the allegations, Bob continued to adamantly deny that such abuse was occurring in his home. Dismayed by the father's denial, the principal advised him to get a grip on the situation and address the problem, or he and the teachers would register a complaint with the authorities. Shortly thereafter, events transpired that compelled Long to contact the authorities. It was not uncommon for Sean to come to school with a black eye or some other bruises. And finally he came to school with a handful of black pills, and they were not aspirin or Tylenol. There was nothing written on them. This was the final straw in a series of Sean-related abuses. 
I called the Department of Children and Family Services, and they took Sean out of the home that day in late October. The DCFS investigated the Odell family in response to claims of abuse and neglect. The investigation determined that Sean Odell was being tied or chained to his bed every night from 8.30 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. The practice of tethering Sean to his bed at night was reportedly initiated by his mother to prevent him from taking food from the kitchen cabinets and refrigerator. It was also reported that he was periodically deprived of meals in order to punish him for stealing food. The Odell children were often left alone in the evening while the father was at work. Mrs. Odell was frequently gone, and she would commonly leave Tom in charge of the younger children. DCFS investigators determined that Sean was being physically abused by his parents as well as his brother Tom. At that time, examination of Sean revealed multiple bruises that the boy claimed his brother had inflicted. Due to those issues and concern for the boy's health and safety, combined with Mrs. Odell's resistance to DCFS interventions, Sean eventually received temporary foster home placement. After notifying the parents, a representative from DCFS, accompanied by a police officer, arrived at the school to take temporary custody of Sean. According to Clemens, when Carolyn Odell arrived at the principal's office, She was told what was going to happen. She left the office, never even looked at the boy, never even looked at him, and walked out the door. It was almost like he wasn't even there. She simply left the office, and not even once did she acknowledge that Sean was there. Much of what Carolyn did was to build herself up. She did it well from that perspective. She played the game. She exhibited an attitude of, I'm in favor of doing the right thing for the kids. I suppose I was a little bit suspicious. She wasn't your typical housewife, or your typical parent. You never felt like you could have a conversation with her where everything was registering. What really sticks in my mind is having your children taken out of your home and you simply walk out. Accept it without any argument or discussion. Just, okay, walk out with the kids sitting there without exhibiting any kind of emotion. That's what stuck in my head. Complete lack of emotional contact, and she was that way with everybody. That is what I saw that day. I couldn't imagine it. I've had people want to kill me over their kids. But that's the first time I ever saw a mother completely emotionally detached from what was going on. Three months after DCFS removed Sean from the Odell home, Long was scheduled to testify in a hearing regarding the matter. In January, there was a hearing at the courthouse where the parents would go and petition to get Sean back into the home. And I remember so well the day. I was home on sick leave because I had surgery. They were going to call me from the courthouse when it was time for me to come and testify. They called and said there's no need to come. The parents didn't show. DCFS was involved with our family pretty deep by that time also. My parents had been going through some sort of counseling due to the chaining of my brother to the bed and him taking food at school. I think there were also some bruises where he and I had been wrestling pretty out of control. They had taken my brother out of the home for several months and put him with a foster family. I really had no feelings about it because I had the room to myself from then on. DCFS had been involved with our family for many years prior to them placing Sean in the foster home. People had been complaining about my brother at school, and he had been telling people he was being chained to his bed at night. 
So they came and investigated and took him away. Carolyn reportedly insisted that Sean's behavior was the fundamental problem, and that counseling focused on her parenting skills was unnecessary and misdirected. The case was closed in February of 1985. Sean was eventually returned to the Odal home. Why DCFS returned Sean to the Odal home and closed the case remains unclear. Bob and Carolyn reluctantly underwent a program of counseling with DCFS caseworkers, despite Carolyn's opposition to such intervention. Apparently, the permanency goals of DCFS in the Odal case was reunification of the family. DCFS achieved this goal by reuniting Sean with his family. However, if Sean had been allowed to remain in foster care instead of being returned to the Odal home, he would likely be alive today. Conversely, it is clear that DCFS did not intervene on Tom's behalf because no one, including Tom, ever reported that he was abused until several years later. If DCFS had removed Tom from the Odal home because of the abuse that he had suffered, or because of the abuse that he had inflicted on Sean, the murders of the Odal family members may have been prevented. During Tom's capital murder trial, Larry Johnson, a DCFS supervisor, testified that his office's investigation of the Odal family revealed that Sean had suffered significant abuse. As a result, he noted that Sean was placed into a foster home for a period of time and subsequently returned to the Odal home, following a program of counseling with Mr. and Mrs. Odal, which was focused on correcting their parenting techniques. When questioned with regard to the claims of abuse of Tom, Johnson noted that Sean informed his foster mother that Tom had also been chained to his bed several years earlier in a manner similar to that used with Sean. 